So I think all of us, I mean, I think pretty much, yeah, everyone here has mostly grown up in the church. We are, you know, often admonished that, you know, we need to be more evangelistic. We need to make disciples. Um, and I think we, none, none of us disagree. Does anyone disagree that we should, that we should, I mean, I, I think most of us uh, agree that we need to share our faith, that we need to uh, make disciples, that that's part of what it means to be a Christian, part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The, the issue is not thinking that we should or ought to. The issue, I think, most of the time is how, like, how do we do it? Like, actually, what is the actual, um, uh, it, it's, it can be a, a, a scary thing, I think. And, um, and I think that's a fairly, at least in my experience, uh, in Africa, um, or like say in Portugal, I think people are fairly universal. Christians, they they know their own story. They know what Christ has done for them, but they're just not exactly. Obviously, there's exceptions. There's you know you meet those people that are just super evangelistic or whatever. But by and large, most of us we just don't necessarily know where to start, what to do, um, and that's where this four fields uh, idea comes from. So um, just a quick review. I think probably most of you have been here at least one or two of the classes, but I'm just going to run through everything real quick. These are our four fields. Uh, you've got the empty field, the seeded field, the growing field, and the harvest field. Um, in our case, we're never going to get out of the seeded field. Uh, we're going to basically, you know, we're we're dealing in in this section up here. Um, so we want to move from an empty field into a seeded field, which that's basically the idea of sharing with others, putting the seed in people's hearts and their minds. Um, that hopefully leads them to a decision uh, to become a disciple. Once you are a disciple, you're learning and growing, and you need to be uh, involved with a community of faith, which is, in this uh, illustration, the harvest field. You, all, all these little bundles or communities of, of, the, of, of disciples. And but then the purpose in having these communities is to then go back into the empty fields and start the process over and over and over again. And if if we can actually do that, then we would start to see um, a lot more growth at the church. You know, as we talked about the first week, has has kind of stagnated. We're not really, uh, we're not reaching. We're really not even reaching as many people as where you know we're even losing uh, our own kids and and all that. So, but if we can if we can catch this vision, um, which I think all of us agree. We need to be making more disciples. We need to be more evangelistic. But then the question is how? So th I don't have all of the answers. Really, I don't have... I'm just sharing with you some of what some of my African friends have shared with me and um, some things that have worked with them in their context. Um, you might end up altering it or changing it a little bit, but I think a lot of the same principles would still apply here. So the first uh, thing we talked about was 
um, our relational map. Um, has anyone thought, given any more thought to their relational map between now and when we talked about it? What, um, at, several people have made comments to me about just the, the concept of a relational map. Has anyone, like, is that helpful to think in terms of, like, who are the people I know? Has anyone done any of it? At all? No? If you're talking putting pen to paper, no. Uh, no, I'm not talking pen to paper. And like, I, I didn't actually put pen to paper until recently. But it definitely, um, it, I, I found it helpful to think in terms of, you know, who are my relationships. Um, so, you have your relational map. So these are your, this, this is, in a sense, this is your empty field. These are the people, and not all of these people are necessarily going to be open. Um, generally though, as you try to think about your relational map, you try to think of who are the people that I possibly could have some sort of window, some sort of entry into their, you know, you're not putting total strangers necessarily. So the um, the church grew in the book of Acts through relational networks um, a lot of times. So not necessarily exclusively, you know, the Philippian jailer, and that was kind of a funny relationship, but, um, you know, Paul usually went to the synagogue first. Like, have you ever, you know, I walk into a Church of Christ somewhere, uh, you know, if I go to a new town, I can go to a Church of Christ, and if I talk to a lot of people, I'll probably start making some some connections, some, some networks. Um, you know, when my dad was in the Air Force, you know, there's, you know, that, that kind of that military connection, if you start... When you're around other military people, you're like, oh yeah, that person was my neighbor, or you know, you you can start. Oh, I worked with that person in you know whatever uh, Air Force base or you know whatever. So we all have our relational networks, um, and those are a good starting place for it. You don't have to just go out and be a you know street preacher. You know, honestly, I haven't seen a whole lot, like personally, or heard of a whole lot of you know. Oh, I, I came to Christ because there was a guy preaching in the street. Uh, <laughs> it can happen, I suppose. Or, oh, I got a pamphlet, and you know, it changed my life. I I don't hear those stories. I have heard about you know World Bible School. I've heard a lot of stories about World Bible School. But it wasn't the, it wasn't just the, the paper. It was the fact that there was a relationship behind it, that there was a person on the other side, and that that relationship that comes with rural Bible school, I think, is what uh, so often has made it such an effective tool. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. uh, you have family, and my family is somewhere else, but. Robin's family is in this area. That's why she's here. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to do what you're talking about with her family because at one time they were brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now they're delinquent. I don't know what you call that, you know. Mm -hmm. They're just not faithful anymore. That's what we're trying to build our relationship. I'm working with the guy across the driveway from where I live. We've been in their house several times. They've been in ours. Uh, and uh, so, but I'm just thinking about the family that in fact we're keeping dogs for them over. Mm -hmm. My wife didn't want to do it, but I said we need to do it because that just puts us a little bit closer, a little bit nearer to mm -hmm. getting an opportunity to work with them. So. Yeah. Um, 
that's a good in uh, in a lot of places in Africa. Africa, they call the backsliders, the you know people who Backslide. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that's a good because there are there are people in that category, people who um, have been people of faith in the past, who have um, and you know maybe they just need to find I would guess a lot of times they just need community again you know they're um, that's yeah that's something I'm gonna have to think about some as I don't have like well, a pat answer for question, you my thought is these people were some of those you talked about the kids that went to school church went to you know mm -hmm. yeah so to speak, they were there right but unfortunately they were wounded by some people who were pretty, you know, crusty old yeah. who, mm -hmm. you know, when their behavior wasn't exactly up to par, you know, they leered at them and, you know, and, and I, Jesus has never hurt anybody, mm -hmm. but some of us have. Yeah. So one of the, just within the, the, the four fields framework, in the in the harvest part one of the tools is called the the like healthy church circle and it's about what it means to be a healthy church and i think we're losing a lot of people because our churches while we may have some healthy practices we also have some unhealthy things happening uh, a lot of times that um are turning people away um, and unfortunately they're not and in many cases they're being turned away not just from those unhealthy aspects that may be within the church um, I mean just just you know thinking in the news about you know the sex abuse and the child sex abuse within the Catholic Church and stuff like that it's not just the Catholic Church it's it's all over and that's just one example um, I mean the you look at new life and things that have happened there a lot of these big churches and just uh, yeah that's um, and I think having a safe healthy church community is gonna have to be one of the key elements that we need to start thinking about you know maybe you start by inviting them to a life group don't don't worry about inviting them to church maybe that maybe church is not uh, but if they can get involved with Christian community uh, in a different way then maybe some healing can happen. I don't know. Yeah. On the other hand, I've heard decades, it seems like, we need to get a church healthy before we go out and reach others. So we're still working on getting that church healthy. <laughs> yeah. I. When you look at the New Testament, uh, that's not the way it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Those churches, uh, I mean, you look at the what Jesus had to say to the churches in Revelation, yet he still called them churches, you know. So, um, yeah. Okay, so one of the, um, so we, we kind of ended last week with the 15-second testimony. Has anyone given any thought to that over the past week? No? <laughs> your mother has. My mom has. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think how to change it because mine's so much like yours that I want to use different words. <laughs> <laughs> he won't be around. He won't know. <laughs> well, and they probably don't remember mine. Why don't you come? I'll <laughs> I'll just tell you what now. Okay. So let's, let's see, I forgot to write. Um, 
the... When I was nine years old. Yeah. Um, I heard a lesson one time that got me thinking and I became um, a bit scared and felt guilty because I had done things like lie to my parents. Scared uh -huh. and guilty. Yeah. And I, I was worried about that thing and so I started asking a few more questions. And found out more about Jesus mm -hmm. and what he would have me do. And so I was was next baptized. Then one day, okay, yeah, I forgot all the individual words. I mean, you don't have to. It's just yeah, kind of to help. I like yeah. That. Then one day I was um, baptized. Yeah. So baptized. Well, and then, but why were you baptized? Like you, you said that I you, more about Jesus. you then one day you learned more. Yeah, I learned more about Jesus and what he would have me do about right. my situation. Mm -hmm. And now, and now I'm. Um, that's why this is what I was working on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. You said confident. I'm trusting and um, feel feel free, you mm -hmm. know. Or like I said, that, that's where I was working. Was trying to adjust my word. Yeah. Okay. So you've got kind of your key. Like, can you? Can I time you? Can you? <laughs> can you? I, I'm not really going to time you, but can you try and put it together in about 15 seconds? There was a time when I was scared and and felt really guilty. Mm -hmm. um, but then one day um, I found out more about Jesus, and and because of that was baptized, and now I'm. <coughs> Trusting. I, I, I trust God and, and I feel free. Okay. Does anyone else have a story kind of like that? You have a story similar to that? Yeah, I was 10 for the 9 Much more mature. Much more mature, yeah. Yeah. Anyone else have a similar story? I mean, does. I mean, but, yeah, well, and that's the thing is, I mean, some of the details are going to be different from person to person, but, but basically, I mean, foundationally, it's the same story for everyone. You know, you may have, uh, you know, drugs or uh, alcohol or, you know, any number of things that might show up on there that... Are, but whatever it is, it's still, it's basically there was a time when I was broken. It, there was, there was the, my relationship with Jesus was not as it should be, right? Um, well, I might have felt guilty because I murdered somebody or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might have been... 57 years old and, and was feeling guilty because of something big, mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm saying, how it can differ. Let's see. Someone gave me, someone gave me some notes. Okay, so in this story. You this, need to go back to home school. Sorry? Can you read the letters for it or the words for it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will. You can't read my handwriting? No. <laughs> I don't know who my teachers were. Okay, so there was a time when when this person was angry and lonely, and then one day, because of God's patience and love, uh, you know, they gave their life to Christ, 
and now they feel forgiven and they belong. Like they, they feel forgiven and they feel like they belong. Can anyone relate to that? I'm going to ask you for forgiveness, but I, I don't agree because I think it's too simplistic. I don't know how anybody can relate to such a simple story. I, and and I, I don't pretend to be uh, you know, an expert. I just don't think that if I was, if I met someone and I said it in 15 seconds or less, it would go in here and out there and, and it would be done. Well, see, that's part of the point, though, is if you don't have Christ, then it's not going to relate to you. And that's why, do you have a story like this? It, someone who doesn't know Christ and who doesn't feel that way is going to say, no, that I'm, I'm missing something. I, I don't have what you have. And that's, that's basically the point. Mm -hmm. I think I know what you said. To tell your conversion story, you can't convince it into 15 seconds. <laughs> Those are different testimonies. That, you know, like your drinking testimony or your smoking testimony or, you know. But your conversion testimony, that's a serious story. Mine is anyway. Where if I tell it, I can't tell it in 15 minutes because the way God set it up was just awesome. Yeah, and 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 this this is this is not a instead of telling your story, this is just being able to say it. Right, just to be able to because if you are what what this will do is this can tell you. When, when you're talking with someone and you get the opportunity to tell your 15-second testimony, this will tell you whether their heart is open or not. And if their heart is closed, then you don't have to, like, push it. Yeah, Tim? So we've talked about relationship a lot, you know, starting with the relationship map and, you know, moving on with some of the other tools that you may or may not have talked about as you progress through that. So we're talking about people that you theoretically have a relationship with or are in the process of deepening a relationship with, right? So, you know, as you're moving to the point in that relationship where you feel like you can, um, that they may be open to that, I almost look at this as like your get on the stage remark. Um, then, you know, okay, so what's the reaction to my... 15 second story and then can I can I just follow that up with additional pieces of that to help uh, to help tell that a little more is that kind of the point right so the the, the point is not that you're not going to tell your story every we all have a story and we can share that story at some point this is just a if um, if you can't condense it down, and 15 seconds is just uh, arbitrary, the, the idea is if you know your story well enough that you can say it very quickly, then that can open the opportunity. Um, because if, if you're telling your story, what the, the story that you're really wanting to tell is what we're about to get to. Not my story, but Jesus's story. That's where we're trying to get to. And that's why you don't spend 15 minutes telling your story because you're trying to get as quickly as you can to Jesus's story. I think of librarians. You try to, a librarian, a children's librarian will say, there's a book about three bears and a little girl with golden hair with, with curls. And she goes out one day you know, you you tweak you, you try to to draw them in without telling them the whole story because you want them to ask more questions, read the book, that sort of thing, rather than telling them once upon a time, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is to tweak their interest and make them want to know more. 
-hmm. not tell them everything in one in you know at the beginning of the conversation right and the the, the purpose and we we're, we're getting to this now the purpose of this 15 second testimony is getting to that question do you have a story like this um, and basically you're trying to get this person to think okay do you know am I happy with my life the way it is or am I missing something some people are gonna say no I don't have a story like that but I you know really you know am not interested well you haven't you know it, it th this is a quick way to be able to um, uh, yeah and if if someone is interested in going deeper then um, you have different ways you can go but in the in this four fields thing we have what you call the three circles and so this is our world okay so we uh, Bill in his prayer talked about just how broken our world is um, today in the news you know they found 190 bodies in a uh, funeral home I don't know if anyone heard about that kind of crazy stuff uh, you know there was a shooting the other night here in Colorado Springs. Um, I mean, all kinds of things happen, but you don't have to look far to realize that we're in a broken world, right? Does anyone disagree? Is our world not broken? <laughs> it is broken. And so people try, you know, different things to get out, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, trying to escape this broken world. I'm, I'm partial to the rock and roll. Um, you know, trying to escape this broken world, but it's, it's, they're, they're like bungee cords. They just pull you right back in, right? And so that's the world we live in. Um, but that's not the world that God intended for us. So God created a, a perfect world for us, for, um, it was, you know, paradise. But uh, we, just like Adam and Eve, um, we, we ran away. We ran out of this perfect world into the broken world. And so here we are stuck in this broken world. We would like to get back here, but really there's no way to do so. But God wanted to redeem us. So, yeah. He sent his son. He came to earth. He died. He was resurrected. And for anyone who makes Jesus king in their life, God has made a door out of this broken world into forgiveness. And, and basically, because of Christ, we are, this, this is our pathway back to, um, the world that God always intended for us. And I'm doing this no justice. My African friends, they get really into this thing. And they just like, they draw it out on the sand with a stick and get really excited when they do it. Um, and then, uh, but God's intention is not just for us to get back into this perfect world, but we go back into the broken world as a new creation and try and lead other people to Christ so that we can bring them back into the world that God 
intended for us. Okay, so that's just a very simplistic, but you know, simple uh, explanation of the gospel story. Is there anything that you need to add to that? I mean, you could add to it, but it's just a very simple, if somebody recognizes, look, yes, I, I understand that we are in a broken world. Um, you can ask them, you know, which, which circle, where do you find yourself in this? And then you can ask them, what's keeping you from making Jesus king of your life? And then, what if they say, nothing? Then what? <laughs> and that's where we get to the baptism hammer. I don't know why it's called the baptism hammer, but they call this the baptism hammer. Um, okay, so who has Bibles with them or phones with Bibles? Um, Tim, do you have something? To say? Oh, I have a Bible. oh, you have a Bible. Does anyone have any thoughts or comments before we jump into the baptism hammer? On the last um, illustration, I'm glad you pointed out that it's not our story, it's Jesus' story. Because without Jesus in this story, that's right. the illustration you just wrote, I was angry and stuff like that. I made a, met a gang member, and now I belong. And that's, that's these things here. Yep. Yeah. And... <laughs> Really, this is the story that we're wanting to tell. This is why we tell our 15-second testimony, because we're trying to get to this story. That doesn't mean that our, our testimony is irrelevant, but we want to focus as much as we can on telling about Christ. Our, our story has its place, but yeah, go ahead, Lemoyo. Are you sure it's not, well, I, I just listening to the comments that the ladies made about it, the 15 second story. Mm -hmm. story are you sure it's not um well men relate in a different way to women <laughs> and and this was this is, is something that was probably mostly developed by men yes so maybe that this <laughs> does not tell their story in 15 seconds <laughs> 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 it just wouldn't you know what I mean like in real life I, it's men are thinking more transactional or something. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was. Yeah, I think there may be something to that. That might be. Yeah. Did you? And I was thinking about your relational map that you had up there. When you had people and, you know, kids and associates that were looking up to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking. The story isn't usually one and done. Mm -hmm. You know, it may be a month for this person, and it may be two years right. for, for that. And the, you know, your next door neighbor, or you know, it, right. Then, and the the point that this is not like a linear process where you go from this to this to this. this, this. It's Basically, these are tools to have ready when the opportune moment comes up. And the idea of the 15-second testimony is just to be able to concisely tell, basically, I was lost, I found Jesus, and now this is what my life is like because of it, so that you can get to this story, that this is what you're trying to get to. That doesn't mean you don't share your testimony in a fuller way at some point, or maybe you already have. The, the point of the 15-second testimony is really just the prelude to this, and it doesn't even have to be this. Uh, uh, Gary Stevenson, you know, he had his thing that, uh, you know, you can use that in the same, it's, it's the same thing, it's just a different... Um, Someone had their... I was going to say that who you're talking to might make a difference. If I was talking, I'm going to pick on Ken and Joan. If I was talking to Ken, I would want a 15-second story. If I was talking to Joan, I might include a lot more details. 
mm -hmm. so the audience might might go into the story too. Right. Yeah. But if you can do it in 15 seconds, then you should, if, if you've thought enough about it to be able to tell your story in about 15 seconds, then that means you've thought about your story enough that you can tell it. I think that's the other point. Was, did someone else have something? Okay, so the baptism hammer. We're Churches of Christ. We have no problems with baptism, right? Funny thing about this is this did not come from Churches of Christ. This came from a group of, I think, Baptists. Um, and I think it has... Um, I think we can learn a lot from it. We are the experts on baptism, right, Umoyo? <laughs> She's always uh, teasing me. Uh, so Acts 2, 36 through 41. 8, 36 through 38. This is, these are all in the book of Acts. 9, 10 through 18. 10, 24. And then 47 through 48, 16, 13 through 15, 16, 31 through 34, 18, 8, and 19. One through seven. Okay, so okay, so who wants to read the first verse? Tim. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, "Apostles, brothers." What should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Okay, so in this passage, who was baptized? 3,000. 3,000. Uh, when were they baptized in relation to, like, how long? Immediately. It's that day, right? Yeah. And who baptized them? Peter. <laughs> I don't think it really is. The rest of the apostles. Peter and the rest of the apostles. Yeah. Peter and, and apostles. Okay. So 836 through 38. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Okay, so who was baptized? The Ethiopian. Uh, and when was he baptized? Right away. Right away. And by who? I don't know if there's two L's or two P's or one L. One L. One L, two P's. One L, two P's. <laughs> 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 that's, no, that's three P's. Is that three P's? <laughs> oh, one at the beginning and one at the end. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
9, 10 through 18. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man, all the harm he has done to the holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from his, Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Okay, so who, did, uh, who was baptized? Saul. Saul. Um, and when? Three to three days later. Well, from the time Ananias was there. And gave him the message, yeah. It was immediately. Yeah. From, from the time Ananias was there. to So Ananias didn't say, okay, we need to sit down and spend a couple weeks studying and make sure you're, you know, theologically, theologically sound <laughs> and that you really understand everything that's going on. And no, he just baptized him. So it was right away, more or less. So and the, the uh, parallel passage with that is in Acts 22, where Paul is retelling the whole story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a better description chapter or, to use, especially in verse 16, where, where Ananias is saying, And now what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Again, right away, but why? And the, this is the verse that I um, understand the best about baptism because if Saul met Jesus and believed at that time, why three days later would he need to be told, arise and be baptized and what? Washed away your sins. If the sins were already gone, we right. believed. Right. Prayer, if you might say. Right. Then it didn't need to be baptized. Right. Yeah, but so the and I, I just for sake of time, we're not going to go through all the verses. But basically, if you go through all of these verses, you're going to find the same thing. It's you know whoever you know was baptized, and it was you know immediately or the same day or you know something along those lines. The point being that many times we want to think oh like we want to wait to baptize someone until they we feel like they really understand everything or that they um so it's it's like jesus says you know um go into all the world baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. But we've often reversed it, where it's like, okay, once you've proven that you're obeying everything that Jesus has commanded, then it'll be okay to baptize you because you've got it all figured out and you've gotten your life together. And um, so we, I would say, in Churches of Christ, that's not, that's more common in a lot of other church groups. But what we do oftentimes is we get way too caught up in the doctrine and the theology and all of the different nuance 
of what baptism is and what baptism isn't, and when are you saved, how does baptize fit with that. We just need to baptize people. When they're ready, when they believe, they need to be baptized. We can talk about all of that stuff later. You know, but that's understanding everything. I didn't understand everything about baptism when I was baptized. I, I certainly know a whole lot more than I did then. Um, but, um, you know, I probably knew more than I needed to know, actually. I don't know. Ken might remember better than I do. <laughs> my, or my parents. But, yeah. So I um, went to church with my friend and I wanted to be baptized and um, I had to do the Jewel Miller film strips um, for my foundation. I always want to sing that song and say ding because I always do that little ding song. <laughs> but um, it was so frustrating for me because I didn't get to be baptized until I finished that last one. I knew what I wanted to do and mm -hmm. I knew what baptism was. I understood that much. Mm -hmm. But I remember I, I was only 16 years old, but we don't want to do that to people. Get them so, I mean, fortunately, I went through the whole thing and listened and I learned some stuff. But mostly I was just, I think, frustrated. Yeah. Well, and I, I imagine there are times that we, we, turn people off because there's a girl um leonor who's a part of our church in uh in angola the reason is she's a part of our church is because we were willing to baptize her she was going from church to church and nobody would baptize her she was like i need to be baptized like i see it in the scriptures i see that jesus commanded it i want to do it but nobody will baptize me and she walked into our church one day and started asking some questions about baptism and indicating that she wanted to be baptized. I, I, I wasn't there. Danny has told me the story. But, you know, basically it was like, oh, okay, yeah. You want to be baptized? You have, you know, you believe? Okay, we'll baptize you. And so she was, and she was just blown away because she had been going from church to church to church to church wanting to be baptized. Um, but um, like I said, I don't think that we have a tendency in Churches of Christ to be too, um, you know, like having, you know, we don't have the like catechism that you have to go, maybe the Jewel Miller film strips or... There might be something that it's like, oh, we want you to read this book or whatever. Um, but I, I think the thing we get caught up in is we get too caught up in our intellectual understanding of the importance or significance of baptism when that's not really the point of baptism. I, I know I've told you this story, and I've probably told some of y'all before, too, that uh, when Kathy and I were on a we were in Australia knocking doors and we back, you know, inviting people to study and so forth. But we, somebody came, one of our team members, it wasn't me, but they came across a couple that were, one, you know, they were interested. And so that they invited, invited them to come to, to the, uh, meeting with whatever we had that night and they were they were really really interested as a matter of fact they wanted to be baptized both of them and they brought their towels with them and their change of clothes and everything because they were ready to be baptized they left with dry towels no change of clothes because they were the they they refused to baptize them because they asked them, where are you going to go to church Sunday? And they couldn't say, we're coming here. They wouldn't baptize them because they weren't going to come to that church. Matter of fact, they wanted to 
they, they the wanted to go back and bring on. some of the people, other people with them when they come. You know, <laughs> and, and that was a real morale killer for us on the campaign, you know, that that was the way that uh, they were treated. So I hope none of, and again, I think I said, this was in Australia, so none of you were there. <laughs> 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 so this baptism hammer thing why ever they call it that I don't know um, the, the the point of the the whole thing is once you've told this the story of this is the gospel this is the good news if somebody responds and says yes I want to be a part of that you can go through these scriptures and say look this when you know, when the 3,000, when they heard, they were baptized. When the Ethiopian eunuch heard, he was baptized. And just go down the list, the Ethiopian jailer, him and his family. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't spend some time talking about the significance of theology, the doctrine, whatever. But don't let that stuff get in the way of making disciples. You... you baptizing, baptize them and teach them to obey everything. Well, Don't that. teach them to obey everything or understand everything and then baptize them. Well, Paul was often saying, Don't you know that when you were baptized, this, 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 this. That means they'd already done it. Mm -hmm. Not that they were fixing to do it. Mm -hmm. He taught them afterwards what right. the meaning of all of it. Yeah, indicating that they didn't necessarily... Understand. understand or maybe they had been told but it didn't sink in um, and and I think one of the things that we do a disservice to young potential Christians is not giving them the opportunity to, to being baptized is the way for them to show the world and to, to it, it, it makes an you know active commitment. You don't do it um, just because you know you need a bath. You know it's it, it communicates something, and um, so and then once you've baptized them, then you're moving into this field, which we're not going to get to at all because I don't have any more time. Um, but essentially, I mean. This is, you know, these are your, your life groups. This is, you know, Eastside is already doing this stuff. Um, discipleship. This is what, um, yeah, Bible classes. You know, getting together, studying the Word together, life groups, stuff like that. That we're already doing. Um, it's just that we've gotten to the point, and I'm, I'm saying we talking about not just Eastside, just in general. We're discipling old disciples. We're not really making new disciples and then discipling those disciples, by and large. And so that's why I wanted to focus on, on this section, because this is the area that we're not uh, doing so hot. Um, and we're not seeing the same results that the early church saw. Um, but they were evangelistic and they were making disciples. And, you know, I hope that some of this was useful to you. We're basically out of time, but um, does anyone have any final thoughts? Or I wish I had a few more weeks, but we got to hit the road on Tuesday. Mm hmm. So what does it look like once you get a new convert? Is that the first conflict? So let's say Jack comes, gets baptized, and he's with you. Now what do you do with Jack? Because Jack knows nothing. Mm -hmm. And we all know. We all saw Jack get baptized, and we know Jack knows nothing. So, so one of the things you could do, um, you could sit down with Jack and start working on with him with his relational map. 
who are the people he knows that he would like to share? Oh, he can. <laughs> That's okay. But see, Jack is actually one of is has the potential to be one of the best evangelists. That's how it worked in the Jack's on fire. And so if 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 you baptize Jack, one of the next things you can do is start, you know, that that's what happened, you know, uh the Philippian jailer and then his family. Um and then Lydia and her household. Um, you know, so the that would be one place to start is start working on okay what are the what are the networks that he has who are the people that he thinks might uh be open but i i think um to get to um tanya your question you. there is that there's still discipleship to be done right yes that's the third that's the third field there so you know, whether the reason why I ask the question is because, okay, so my husband just got converted, but there's nothing here. Like, there's no, like, no one's come up to him and said, well, let's study, you know, we have a ministry, stuff like that. I mean, like, what do we do here for our new converts? Because I see nothing right now. Mm-hmm. Well, my husband and my daughter who just got baptized. That's why I asked the question. Okay. And I, I can talk to you some more about that. Uh, One of the things I, I have seen where people are discipled for a very long time, that doesn't stop them from starting to disciple other people. Yeah. And the, the, the quick answer, which I can tell you more about, would, if, if you were in Africa and you were asking that question, they would say, well, you need to start a discovery Bible study. And I can tell you more about that. That's where I would go from here if I had more time. <laughs> um, so he's supposed to start a discovery Bible study? Or you can. Um, what is that? How is he supposed to know what that is? That's what I'm saying. No, I mean, you, you, you would be the one starting a discovery Bible study or facilitating a discovery Bible study. Yeah. Um, where you keep recycling the new while they turn around and start teaching their their relational their relations on that. Yeah. And um yeah, so so basically the um yeah, the discovery bible study would be the next tool in this and that's something that you could do in a small group or even just with just two people um, and yeah but I don't want to uh, I'm happy to talk to whoever for as long as but uh, just for the sake of time um, I think we'll we'll close <laughs> um, Mike would you close us with a prayer well I never thank you for letting us gather together this evening thank you for the, the uh, lessons that's Nathan has presented to us. Please help us to take that to heart and remember these things and, and uh, be willing to uh, share our story just to get the conversation started. And then, and then for those that are willing or interested, let us uh, be, be ready and able to share uh, more with them about Jesus. And, and uh, uh, as soon as they're ready to come to the Lord, then. Uh, to baptize them and then disciple them and teach them to obey everything you've commanded us. Um, thank you for the, the models that people have developed that kind of make this a, a easy way to remember the process and the four fields and the three circles. And, and uh, thank you for the examples of the people in Africa that put it to use with such um, uh, enthusiasm and excitement for you. And then please give. Um, uh, Holland's a uh, uh, safe trip back. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. 
Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.